Hey everyone, thanks for checking out the River Community Church podcast. If you want more information about the church or things that are going on, you can visit therivercc.com or you can check out our app at app.therivercc.com. Today's message comes from Pastor Steve Taboo. Morning. Hope everybody had a great week this week as we are celebrating Palm Sunday today. I was telling somebody earlier, I mean, like for a preacher, this is like the week, you know what I'm saying? We get fired up, we get excited, we're about to celebrate the resurrection of of Jesus Christ. It's something to celebrate as families and as friends. Uh, So we're glad you're here today and hope you'll come back next week and bring some folks with you. You may have to spread out to the 1115 service or the eight o'clock service or the Friday service because we're doing the Friday services uh, that'll be the exact same, but whatever it is, we want to invite you and everybody to come. Those watching online, maybe you could come to the Friday night service if you have to work Sundays, and so we'd love to invite you to jump in as well. Uh, we just want everybody to get a chance to celebrate the resurrection of Christ our King. Now, today is Palm Sunday, so what is Palm Sunday? Well, it's the week leading up to the resurrection. And so as Christ comes into town on this Palm Sunday, it's the one time that the people are actually celebrating Jesus as king. Up till now, people have kind of been asking and wondering if he is the son of God, if he is the Messiah. And this last week, Jesus confirms it and really just stirs up the religious community because they're like, you are not him. And the people are like, yes, he is. And the problems come when the two Collapse, uh, clash. So if you got your Bibles, we're gonna be in Matthew 21 today. Go ahead and pull those out. If you, if you didn't bring your own, we've got some Bibles under the seats in front of you. You can follow along. You can follow along on, on screen as well. Uh, we read from the New Living Translation. While you're looking for there, I, I just wanna encourage you this morning to put on a little bit of a heart of celebration. Here's what I mean by that. In the Bible, uh, there is a time of judgment that we read about. The Bible says that is appointed in a man wants to die and then the judgment. But I feel like our culture views God too much in, the, in light of that judgment, that we think of those rules and regulations as a negative when truth is God came to establish love and order and truth, and it's only when we step out of his plan that we face that judgment. But his intention all along was that we find life, forgiveness, grace, and hope in him. Now, in the beginning, I'll take you all the way back to the beginning. He created Adam and Eve. Anybody remember where he placed them when he created them in the beginning? In the garden. Yeah, not the desert, right? He didn't didn't place them in the middle of Arizona with no water. He placed them in Tennessee. Or close to it, I guess. The garden. Now, when I think of the garden, uh, he, he gave them work to do. He gave them a task to do, to till the garden. But at that time, it was a joy. I think of uh, an older lady that, that I knew that in her early 80s, she was still plowing her own garden and tilling her own garden and caring for her own garden. And when I asked her about it, she's like, nobody better ever take my garden away from me. This is my happy place. This is what I love to do. And I believe that's the way it was in the garden in the beginning, that it was, a, it was a joy to till the garden. It was a joy to produce fruit. 
But when sin came, the judgment was there could be no sin in a perfect place. And so Adam and Eve had to leave. Fast forward hundreds and hundreds of years, the people of Israel are taken into captivity in, in Egypt. They become slaves. Many people believe that the time of their captivity and slavery in Egypt was the time that the, the pyramids were built. It was a hard season for them, working seven days a week as slaves under a heavy taskmaster. And as they move out of that, God delivers them out of that, and then he establishes the new law. Now, there's a lot of laws in Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. You go through, there's over 600, but they're all set up for a purpose, to build a community of faith where love, trust, and joy are woven into the inner fabric. Did you know that the, the number of celebrations that God gives us is more than what we celebrate today? Did you know that he gave them a day off called the Sabbath day, which would have been amazing when you've worked seven days a week all your life, all of a sudden you have one day off work every week, a day of rest, and then they had a celebration called the Passover, which is what we're looking at, okay? The Passover festival was to celebrate when the angel of death passed over the Jews and went to the Egyptians and allowed the people of Israel to be set free once and for all. And so they celebrated it, not just for one day like we do on Christmas or Easter. They celebrated for seven days. And then they also added another day for the Feast of Unleavened Bread. They had the Sabbath day every week. They had the, the new moon festivals. Once every month, when they had the new moon, they would have a celebration. They would bring the people together and celebrate. They had the first fruits, the Feast of First Fruits, the Feast of Weeks, uh, the Feast of Trumpets, the Day of Atonement, and the Feast of Tabernacles. All total, it's well over 30 days of celebrations. Fortune 500 companies today would roll over in their grave thinking that they had to give that many days off to everybody. God is a generous God, full of love, worthy of our trust, worthy of our worship. And so it is fitting and proper that this week we truly celebrate what Christ has done and that we focus in on that and let the Lord help us Rejoice in this gift we have of salvation. So if you got your Bibles, let's, let's look into Matthew 21 as Jesus enters the town of Jerusalem for the week of Passover. Verse 21 says, as Jesus and the disciples approached Jerusalem, they came to the town of Bethpage on the Mount of Olives. Jesus sent two of them on ahead. Go into the village over there, he said. As soon as you enter it, you will see a donkey tied there with its colt beside it. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone asks what you're doing, just say, the Lord needs them, and he will immediately let you take them. This took place to fulfill the prophecy that said, tell the people of Jerusalem, look, your king is coming to you. He is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. The two disciples did as Jesus commanded, they brought the donkey and the colt to him and threw their garment over the colt, and he sat on it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. And I, I want to challenge you as I'm praying, let your heart be open to what God wants to say to you today. Let your heart be open to the, the things that he'll want to whisper into you as we have this time. Let's pray. 
Lord, I thank you. I thank you that 2,000 years ago, you showed us love. You taught us about sacrifice. You taught us about forgiveness, conviction, repentance. Lord, you are such a good, good father. And I come before you now, Lord, and I'm just asking that right now you like just pull back the, the hardness of the week, the month, the year, the hurt, and help us hear your whisper this morning. And help us to be willing to, to trust you and do whatever you lead us to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so if you have your listening guy, you can pull that out. We just walk through this each week to kind of give us some nuggets to remember. Uh, the first thing I'd say is let's trust Jesus. Let's trust him when he leads us to do something that he can help us fulfill those things he leads us to do. Let's trust it if he nudges us to to reach out and love someone and help them, that he's gonna make it work on our end as well. Anybody ever gotten taken advantage of when you help somebody? Anybody? Okay, okay, you're not raising your hand. I'm just trusting that you, you're, you're agreeing with me because I've been uh, in that experience many times where you help somebody and they just aren't thankful. You help somebody and they're right back in the same pit again six months later, three months later, one week later. But we don't do it so that we're recognized. We don't do it for the result. We have to do it because God calls us to love as Christ has loved us. And we've got to trust that when God prompts us to help somebody else, that he's in charge. And no matter what the outcome is, we're supposed to do what God calls us to do. Now, in this story, it's a very unique story. Jesus tells two of his disciples, he says, guys, I want you to go into town and when you go into town, you'll find two donkey, a donkey and a, and a colt. He says, I want you to untie those donkeys and bring them to me. And if anybody asks you about it, you just say, hey, the Lord, the Lord is asking for me and it'll be okay. Let me put that in context. I, as I was digging into this this week, it really just jumped out at me at what trust level the disciples had to have at this point. Can you imagine, let's just say you're all going on a mission trip with me to Cuba. We land in Cuba and we're like, okay, uh, we need to get our luggage and everything to the hotel, and y'all look at me and go, hey, pastor, oh, where are we going? And I go, i tell you what, Bob, you go out and look through all the taxi cabs and find one with the keys in it, okay? When you find one with the keys in it, you just hop in and drive it over here and put all our luggage in it, and we'll use that, that taxi cab to go take our luggage. And oh, by the way, if somebody asks you why you're robbing their, them of their car, you just say, Pastor Steve says it's okay. See how that goes. Now, now, you probably would not exactly have that kind of blind trust for me, but that's the blind trust they had for Jesus because they were going to a new town, so there was no internet, no texting, no phone calling to call ahead and say, hey, can we rent a donkey and a colt from you for $1.99 shekels an hour or whatever they have to do? Now, maybe when Christ came through there sometime previously, he prepared them at that time. Maybe there's a possibility. Or maybe he was trusting that the Lord was going to be speaking to their heart and that God had already prepared this owner's heart because when, when they went, it was okay. But I just thought of that, and I thought, you know, how many times has the Lord asked me to do something, and I just made excuses, right? 
It's like, well, I can't do that, Lord. That would be awkward for me. That, that would be kind of weird. What if I offer to pay for that person's stuff and, and they're like offended by that? And Lord, what if I call them? And I know they're going through a hard season with this divorce. What if I call them and they think I'm judging them? And Lord, what if I call somebody and invite them to church and they just think I'm that crazy uh, fanatic? And I, you know, all those doubts that go through your head? And I just want to tell you today, simplify it. Untie the donkey. It's that simple. If you're feeling prompted to do something and it's not sinful, it's not immoral, untie the donkey. Just say, yes, Lord. It's my challenge to you this week. Trust Jesus whatever, with whatever he nudges you to do and go untie the donkey. Second thing is that Jesus is king and he is worthy of our celebration. He is worthy for us to praise him. Now, in the past, uh, Jesus was able to do miracles and they could see that, right? Well, what we can see is in that last passage where he went and got the donkey, that was a reference from Zechariah 9.9. It was written over 600 years previous to the walk of Christ. Can you think back 600 years in the history of our nation? Guess what? There were no Europeans here. America hadn't even been discovered. Could you imagine trying to make a prophecy for 600 years later and being accurate? How amazing is that? But that's how amazing God is. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. And so in this moment, he is king, and this is the one time that people are celebrating Jesus as king. Let's read verse 8 through 11. Uh, together. It said, most of the crowd spread their garments on the road ahead of him, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Jesus was in the center of the procession, and the people all around him were shouting, praise God for the son of David. Blessings on the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Praise God in the highest heaven. The entire city of Jerusalem was in an uproar as he entered. Who is this, they asked. And the crowds replied, it's Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. Son of David. They were declaring, they're waiting for the son of David. They're waiting for the one born in the lineage of David who would be the savior of the world. In this moment, they are declaring him to be that one. And they're recognizing him as their king. Uh, see, for, for years past, in the time of a king named Jehu, when he became king, they began the tradition of taking the cloaks off, putting it down before the king to declare his new kingship. Now, for you and I, that probably wouldn't be a big commitment. I don't know about you guys. Many of you have more than one coat. I got, I got several, right? This morning, I was trying to figure out which one to, to wear. I stepped outside. How did it get to be 35 degrees? Was it not like 70 yesterday? I mean, Cookville is bizarre that way. You, you go to bed at 70, you wake up at 35. So... So I put my heavy coat on because my, uh, it was so cold, I can't put the top up on my car. So I got these earmuffs I put on, and I drive with my top down. People, like, make fun of me. I'm, like, driving. I got earmuffs on. I'm, like, freezing to death because my car has no heat. So I'm, I'm driving here and, uh, and trying to get here, and I don't remember how that ties to my story. How was that? Oh, the coats, the coats. I did that same thing first service. I get excited. Anyway, the coats. 
So we have a lot of coats. So we can like throw the coats down and, and then we can take it to the washing machine, right? We can go laundromat, no big deal. They didn't have laundromats. And most people in that day would have two sets of clothes. The ones they have on and the ones that are getting cleaned to swap out. They didn't have a washing machine. So as they're setting their cloaks down, this is, this is a big deal to them. As they're cutting palm branches and laying it down, they are declaring Jesus as king. They are celebrating him. It's a big deal. So much so that the religious leaders, as they hear the praises in the next couple passages, are gonna get upset because they're declaring Christ as king and they're wanting him to tell them to stop but he doesn't. Why? Because he is the king. He is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the living water that gives us strength and hope. He is the bread of life that gives us power and authority. He is the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. He is worthy of our praise. And this week, I just want to challenge you. Just choose to praise God this week. Praise him this morning as you did. Praise him. You may want to come Friday night in all three Sunday services. It is Easter. I'll be here all four. Yeah, how about that? Well, I believe we should truly celebrate. One way we can celebrate Christ on a regular basis, not just at Easter. I want to challenge you, implement a simple habit in your life that will remind you that Christ is your Lord. Every meal you take before you eat, I want to challenge you to pause and give thanks to God. Before you eat breakfast, and sometimes that's just a granola bar on the run, right? Before you eat lunch, even if you're sitting around your co-workers and it's kind of an interesting moment, before you eat supper, even if you're going out to dinner with your friends and your boss? What if you pause and you give thanks for what the Lord's given you? Totally unashamed. What would it be like in our community if at the restaurants, all throughout the week, the waiters and the waitresses notice people? This, I mean, this, just an idea. My wife and I go on a date. We just reach across the table and hold hands. We don't, like, pray loud like... The Bible says, don't pray loud like the fairy, like, oh, Lord, thank you for the food. <laughs> Hallelujah, Lord, for being so good for roast beef and potatoes. I'm not asking you to make a scene, but really with your heart of hearts, just return gratitude to God for the meal he's put before you and praise him for his provision. I think for, for us as a family, that may be one of the most important cornerstones we've had. And sometimes it's my kids. I mean, I'm just telling you, sometimes, especially if we're all kind of grabbing stuff as we go, sometimes I'll be eating, it's happened like two days ago, and my, I sat down, and my son's like, I'm eating, and he's like, Dad, have we already given thanks? And I was like, uh, no. Why don't you go ahead, son? <laughs> just kind of waiting on you to lead the way there, buddy. Uh, and sometimes I forget but it is a great reminder every day to praise our King. So I just wanna encourage you, a simple way this week, start a new habit. Untie the donkey and try praising the Lord every time you eat a meal. Well, the third thing, 
is God's house is for prayer, healing, and worship. Prayer, healing, and worship. Matthew 21, 12 to 16, we see Jesus enters the temple and began to drive out all the people buying and selling animals for sacrifice. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. He said to them, the scriptures declare my temple will be called a house of prayer, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. The blind and the lame came to him in the temple and he healed them. The leading priests and the teachers of the religious law saw these wonderful miracles and heard even the children in the temple shouting, praise God for the son of David. But the leaders were indignant. They asked Jesus, do you hear what these children are saying? Yes, Jesus replied, haven't you read the scriptures? For they say, you have taught children and infants to give you praise. So here Jesus goes into the temple. Now remember for them, the temple was the the house of God that they worshiped at, and it would have been the center of all activity for the Passover week, okay? People would be coming and, and worshiping there all throughout the day, and that's where Jesus went. It was the center of activity, so he went right to the center to teach and to preach. And as he goes in the temple, there are people that are there to make a profit off those who came to worship. And Jesus says, not in my house. Now, what were they doing? We don't know exactly, because he calls it a den of thieves, so apparently they're cheating the people, whether by cheating them with false weights, whether by cheating them with false money transfer, whatever it is, they're cheating the people. And so he literally turns over the tables and runs them out of the temple. Now, how can he do that when he doesn't have an army behind him and they have temple guards? You know how he could? Because everybody knew he was right. He had the power of biblical authority. What he was doing, everybody knew needed to happen. But the religious leaders were upset. He's cutting into their profits. As I read the history uh, of the way it was working at that time, it was very common for the leaders, the priests, those who are in authority over the temple to make a pretty good sum off the people coming to sacrifice. And Christ was calling them out on that. So the people, of course, they loved it, right? They've been thinking for a long time they're getting the short end of the stick, but the priest says they go and they're trying to find a way to kill him. They're like, we are done with this guy. And then on top of that, the kids are praising him Can you imagine? It'd be kind of cool, right? You walk in the room, the kids start going, look, Hosanna, there's the son of David. He's the one. And again, that's blasphemy. Now, if it's not true, if Jesus is not the son of God, it is blasphemy. Matter of fact, we see later on in the New Testament, both Peter and Paul are being worshiped by people after they do miracles. And both Peter and Paul reject it and say, no, 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 no. Don't worship me, I am not God. Get up off your knees and worship Jesus. And so as Jesus is receiving that worship, it is a testimony that he is declaring himself God in that moment. It's a testimony to you and I that he is who he says he is. And he has come to rescue us in that authority. Now, he says in verse 13, my temple will be called a house of prayer. 
And as a church, a big part of who we're to be is a house of prayer. And just being honest, a year and a half ago, I was feeling convicted that we were not praying enough. Feeling like, you know what, we, we are not interceding for our family, our friends, those around us, and even our own kids, for our city, for our nation. And the, the Lord nudged me on one of those moments to untie the donkey and said, you know what, Steve, why don't you have people write names of people they're praying for on the stage? And I thought that was pretty weird. I hadn't heard of that idea before. But as best I understood the Lord, I was like, okay. And then I didn't know how to do it because I was like, the stage is black and Sharpies are black and I don't know how to do it. And of course, there's always sharper tools in the woodshed. So I went to those people and said, how do you, get, how do you write names on a black stage? And they came up with a silver writing. And so we began to pray and call these names out. And we began the invitation, the come forward invitation uh, to, to come and pray at the altar and have people pray over you. And, and, and then... Uh, we hired Cindy Wilson and part-time her job. She's got a passion for prayer. And every Sunday morning in all three services, there's a prayer room between the foyer and this, this worship service, and they're praying the whole time of the service, asking God to move in our hearts. So there are people praying over you and over me for the whole service. And then we felt led to start a prayer meeting every Wednesday night. We've got a, a team of folks that come every Wednesday night. We pray over the prayer wall. Pray over the needs. Uh, Jimmy led us in prayer for the, the horrible Nashville shooting. There's also all the folks that are hurting with tornadoes. There's, there's a lot of things that we need to come together in prayer for. Jesus said, the house will be a house of prayer. And so I want to in, invite you, if you want to get plugged in more, man, put on your card today, prayer. Fill it out on the app, prayer. Let's get you plugged in to more prayer. And one way we can all be praying is at the end of the service today, we'll give people a chance to, to come forward. And in that time, I want to challenge you, just let Jimmy sing and you just pray. You just pray that whoever God is tuck, tugging on, whoever he's nudging, that they would listen to that voice of the Lord in that moment and they'd say yes. Yes to whatever God's tugging on their heart for. Yes to whatever he's nudging them to do. Yes to untie the donkey, whatever that might be because the house is called to be a house of prayer. And then what did he do after that? He healed. He's in the temple. I mean, can you imagine the line out the door? I mean, they're at the Passover. This thing only happens once a year. Everybody's in Jerusalem. They hear Jesus is there. They're like, man, they're bringing all the blind people, all the lame people. They're bringing everybody with these issues. And Jesus is healing them. Now, I wish I had that gift. I've said this many times, if the Lord would give me the gift of healing as Jesus had the gift of healing where he could heal everybody, I'd just love to walk through the, the children's hospitals, wouldn't you? And just go, go room by room and touch those beautiful children and see them rise up and, and be healthy again. I don't have that gift, but I do have the promise of prayer. And the Lord tells us to pray for those who are hurting to pray for those who are sick and to ask God for healing. So part of our, our prayer for healing, we're gonna begin on Sunday mornings, inviting you on Sunday mornings. As we're praying for people over here each week, we're gonna have our pastors and ministers over here praying for healing as well. And maybe you've gotten a diagnosis of cancer. Maybe you've gotten some bad news on, a, on an MRI that's come back. I just invite you. We're gonna be anointing with oil and praying. What does anointing of oil mean? 
Well, it's, this oil is not, it's not magical or anything, uh, but in the Bible, it symbolized the presence of the Holy Spirit. And so the first time I ever did an anointing service, I didn't, I was a rookie, and I had like a big gallon jug of olive oil, and I took people outside, and I was like pouring a gallon over their head, and, and, and they kind of they said I was extreme. So as I looked at their hair afterwards, I was like, yeah, that was probably too much. So I looked at their hair afterwards, I was like, yeah, that's, we're, we're not going to do that, but we're going to anoint you with oil, basically taking a little bit of oil and just, just putting it upon your forehead or, or your, if your arm is hurting or whatever, and we're going to pray. We're going to pray for healing because Christ calls us to. He also calls us to share the good news of Jesus with everybody, but everybody I shared Jesus with doesn't get saved, and everybody I've prayed for for healing doesn't get healed. But we're still called to do that, to be, to be obedient and to build faith and to see God do miracles. And I have seen God do miracles in that way. So we're going to be, as a church this week especially, we're going to be praying and being a church of prayer. We're going to be a church praying for healing. And what's the third one? Prayer, healing, and worship. And I just want to challenge you. What if this week launches a life for you of worship that's never been before? What if you begin to, to look for opportunities to praise God in everyday living? I was sitting with uh, one of my sons, and he cuts grass, and, and he said to me, he said, Dad, you won't believe what happened. I said, what's that? He said, I got hit in the eye with a rock. I was like, oh. He said, it shot off the, the house and came back, hit me in the eyeball. I was like, yeah, that happens sometimes, doesn't it? He's like, yeah. I said, are you okay? He's like, oh, yeah, it was amazing. He said, I didn't even see the rock, but before it got to my eyeball, my eyelid closed, and it just hit the outside of my eyelid. He said, Dad, isn't that amazing that God made it where even when we don't see what's coming? And I thought about that. I was like, yeah, that's incredible. There's one more thing to praise God in our everyday life, that our eyeballs aren't all poked out with rocks when we cut grass, Right? It may sound like a little simple thing, but it's not. God is this amazing creator, architect, designer of this world, and there's so much we can praise him for. We can praise him for the sunshine when we go out. We can praise him for the rain. Or we can complain it's hot, and we can complain it's wet. It's really dependent on whether we have a heart of worship, that we are seeking ways to glorify him, or we have a heart of negativity where we're seeking to complain about all that we don't have. I'll just tell you, we are blessed. We are blessed to get to hear the word of God and get the privilege of worshiping him. So today, I just wanna give you an invitation. I'm gonna invite you to stand with me. And today, I wanna challenge you to untie the donkey. What is it that the Lord has nudged you to do and you've kind of put it off. What is it that the Lord has called you to do to step out in faith, and you said, well, Lord, that's a little bit weird for me. Maybe you've been wanting to be prayed for for healing, and you're like, I don't want to get on stage and have that person hit me in the forehead. We don't do that here. It's not about the show. But if you want to come forward to be prayed for and anointed, for healing, we invite you to come on the right side of the stage today. Our team will pray for you and anoint you and ask the Lord for healing. Maybe you just need to come today and, and you just need to pray. 
And you just need to come to the left side over here by yourself. We won't bother you. We won't, we won't talk to you. This will be the left side over here, we're just reserving for people to come and just say, Lord, I'm, I'm giving it all to you. I'm just laying it down, whatever it is. Maybe it's a struggle with a job. Maybe it's a struggle in a relationship. Maybe you've already talked to somebody, but you just need to turn it over to God. Or maybe you just want to come and pray for the names on the stage. You're welcome to do that. We'd love to have you do that. But during this time of invitation, if you feel that, that that's what you want to do, come forward and pray. And then I'll be down front. And if you've never given your heart to Jesus or, or you're like, I, I am so far from God, I need to return, I'll be down here. I'd love to talk with you and help someone else walk you through that process of what it means. And then maybe, maybe you got a lo- whole lot more to unpack than just what can be done in, in that little short amount of time. We have a prayer room in the back. My left, your right. And in that prayer room, there's a couple that'll sit there and they'll listen and they'll let you just unpack whatever you're walking through and pray with you. More and more, I'm, I just believe Sunday, this is a chance for the Lord to work in our lives. Now, if this is your first time here and you're like, this is really uncomfortable, it's okay. We're glad you're here. And it may be that the Lord's just nudging you to come and talk to somebody. If so, come. If not, I just ask everybody that's standing in the seats, pray. Pray right now for the next five minutes. We got 500 people in here. We all pray. We just ask the Lord to do what he wants to. It's amazing what God's going to do. As Jimmy sings, you obey whatever God tells you to do. Hey, everyone. Thanks so much for listening today. If you would like more information about the church and what God is doing here through the river, you can visit therivercc.com or you can download our app in the app or Google Play Store. Again, we just want to say thank you for listening and we hope as you go throughout your week that you are able to love God, love people, and impact the world.